This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You, know, you asked the same sort of question, the same family of question last time, uh, where you assume things that are not true. When you just mentioned, you know, blowing these teams out, that's never happened. So I don't know where you get that. So, can I finish? Can I finish? Can I finish my statement? Can I, can I finish my statement? When you talk... You, you just told me that it's not true, and I'm telling you your average margin. Are you going to let me finish my statement or not? So you'll be quiet now while I talk, and then I'll listen to you. When you make statements about, in the past, just blowing out these other teams, number one, you give no respect to the other teams. And I talked to you last time about the same thing. We've had very close games against four or five countries in all these tournaments. So the good teams do not get blown out. There are certain games that might happen in one of the tournaments in the World Championship, the Olympics, where somebody gets blown out. But in general, nobody's blowing anybody out for the good teams. So when you make a statement like that, it's like you assume that's what's going on. And that's incorrect. I tell you what, Mike, you know what I did not expect? Uh, to be doing uh, on one of the off days between NBA Finals games is tuning into uh, Team USA basketball versus Argentina tonight. Uh, but I, like many of us, <laughs> uh, am going to be checking to see if they could end this exhibition losing streak, said no one ever in the recent Man. modern dream team and its derivatives era of Team USA International Basketball. So that's Nigeria hitting 23s. That's Australia taking it to them in the Come second on. half yesterday. That's pop being regular season pop at the press conference, uh, which basically if I can sum up that exchange just now, that's just what happens when I don't care what your point is. I'm just not trying to hear it. This wasn't about one person talking another one not letting it finish. Right. He just wasn't trying to hear it regardless of whether uh, the reporter was 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 writing his premise, but um, I don't know, man. I guess number one, uh, I'm not panicked yet, given that Devin Booker, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton are all busy in the finals. Well, but come on, but, bro. but panic, bro. But, but, but it's nothing. But here's why I'm not panicked. But here's really why I'm not panicked. Number one, it's an exhibition, wow. and I realize that Team USA uh, is exhibition season. I realize that Team USA has never won gold or silver, if I'm not mistaken, after having lost in the exhibitions. So I realize this is a, a, a bad sign for their prospects in Tokyo. So I get it, but I'm not panicked because there's still reinforcements on the way and they've been together for a week. But the larger reason I'm not panicked is actually twofold. So that was one. So here's two A and two B. All right. The larger reason that I'm not panicked is because one adversity makes for a better story. Like I mentioned, we're talking about 
not okay. not international Olympic basketball. We're talking about exhibition international basketball. So it makes for a better story. Yeah, just the the adversity. Mm-hmm. It's more it's more interesting. To be is that at this point I, it doesn't bother me. Like the fact that the rest of the world has caught up, if not past the America, the United States, when it comes to international basketball. It oh so what? Like gone are the days where I feel like we're entitled. This is our game. Oh damn that! We're sending Jordan, Barkley, Magic, Bird, everybody get out there and reclaim American supremacy when it comes to basketball. And we're gonna run roughshod over the rest of the world because USA, USA. I don't give a damn. I don't care. This long became a global game because of the Dream Team. Okay, these international teams have NBA players and teams and programs that have been together much longer than six or seven days. Okay, so it's not I don't feel entitled as an American for the purpose of this conversation. I don't feel entitled to uh, to a gold medal. It's no it's honestly it's no big deal to me. I'm just here to enjoy the show and may the best team win. And if that best team does not wear red, white and blue, so be it. Man. Uh, there, there's so many places to go with that. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> My man. Uh, that just that was perfect. I love those I love those responses. I love those responses. I, I'm pretty sure it was I'm pretty sure you would use a different word if we weren't mic'd up right it, now. Like, man. No, no. I mean <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. That's a bunch of no no. Great shirt, it's by not, the way. It's not a bunch Great of shirt, it. by the way. Great it's shirt. not a bunch of it. Real oh, good thank selection. Thank you, thank you. Um, so Mike, let's let's go what, all the way back back to the beginning, um, and that is where Greg Popovich is having that exchange with that reporter. You said you don't know whether the reporter is right or right or wrong. The reporter's right. The reporter is right, and Greg Popovich, per usual, uh, in his performance press conference, he's very uh, he's a great performance artist when it comes to giving press co- conferences. He is trying to do his thing, which we're not fooled by. Greg Popovich, great performance. You ain't fooling me, dog. Um, no, the, the reporter's right, and you know it. Oh, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Excuse me. Uh, Nigeria. I think there's Nigeria nuance. beat you. There's the previous, the pre, ain't no nuance, there's dog. Of truth hey, here. When, there's degrees hey, of truth. When Nigeria, the last time, before this time. Last time mm-hmm. they played Nigeria, they beat them by like forty some points. Yep. Uh, Australia and the U.S. is not supposed to be a competitive matchup. That that's that's what the reporters are used to seeing. Now, tell Greg that to Popovich Australia. Wants tell to that have, to Joe Inglis. Who if he was wants like, to have hey, that conversation, Joe Inglis was like, "We came into this expecting to win." So tell that to Patty Mills. It's not yeah. supposed to be competitive. Yeah, okay. that's right. But, so? but I think, but I think Popovich can have that conversation without doing the Popovich thing. So that's one. The other thing is, you're right. 1988, John Thompson, you know, takes his team to the Olympics, his college team, and a lot of people had a problem with his roster. Um, it didn't have a, a lot of shooters on the roster. They lose in '88. That leads to the not pre-Avengers, Avengers, uh, not pre-Avengers, Avengers in 1992 with the with the Dream Team. And so that Dream Team is exactly what you said, Mike. You got Jordan, you got, you know, Barkley, you got David Robinson, all those cats coming in, Stockton, Magic, and they just run over everybody, and it's like, ah, order is restored. So we're not quite there, 
where we were in 92. But I would tell you this in 2000 you you I know you remember this. Uh, I was covering the Olympics for the Boston Globe and I covered a team that came within I'd say three inches of losing to Lithuania in the semifinals. That team, that was the same year. That team had Vince Carter. That was the year Vince Carter ooh, dunked on Frederick Weiss, dunked on Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. The Olympics. Yeah. So that was 2000. That team had Vince Carter. Team had Gary Payton. Uh, that team had uh, Alan Houston, Kevin Garnett. And I say the problem in 2000, and they won the gold over France. And the problem in 2000 was that the team just did, gave zero Fs. They're like, we're the United States. We ain't really trying to like it's the summer. We on vacation. Oh, okay. We're gonna get our gold, but come on. Had a terrible attitude, yeah. which led to the next year, the bad year, two thousand four. Not even happening for the United right. States. So I think right. where and we are right now, Mike. Yeah, I think what we're, where we are now is is this. We're good. United States is good. United States is still the best in the world. But we ain't so good that we could just kind of right. play in the NBA playoffs, jump in, show no up. practice, no scheme. Show up out of shape. Because every, I know it, everybody talks right. about the players. What's the coaching like? You haven't had time. How are you coaching these guys? I mean, I, the players are a part of it. The players are most of it. But coaching too, you don't have a, the rest of the world is actually planning for you. Here you come. Oh, we got right. Kevin Durant off the bus. We got Jason Tatum. We got Bradley Bill. We got Dame. We're good. No, no, no. That day is, is right. dead. So I don't think it's where you think it is where, hey, the rest of the world is caught up. The rest of the world is not caught up, but the rest of the world is good enough where you better be prepared or you're going to get humble right. by Australia six, and even six Nigeria. We, six on way half a dozen the other. When I say caught up, I'm saying the rest of the world is playing NBA basketball. The rest of the world is not looking for their autographs at at the end of the game. (laughs) The rest of the world is not in awe, you know, of these players. So, no, of course, from a talent standpoint, there there is no comparison between what the United States can roll out and what everybody else can roll out. But a lot of their peers are playing on these other teams. Okay? A lot of NBA players are playing on these other teams a lot of people who could or should or will be in the NBA are playing on these other teams. And as we both just said, they're playing together more often. So when I say they've caught up, I'm strictly talking about the rest of the world don't roll like that no more, dog. That day is dead. Right. That day is dead right. where they can, the, the U.S. can roll out of bed, which is what they look like against Nigeria and what they look like in the second half against Australia. Like they just rolled out of bed, coming off a season that everybody complained did a disservice to these NBA players. Frankly, I'm shocked that the caliber of player that is playing for Team USA is doing so. Like, has anybody actually, and, and maybe I just missed it, maybe they have, has anybody talked about the fact that Kevin Durant is playing in the, in, 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 for Team USA? Like, Kevin wow. Durant just yeah. came off an Achilles and just played into the conference semifinals, Michael. Okay, yeah, a seven-game classic series where he came up short in the conference semifinals. What's, what's the shoe size? And he's out there representing the shoe team size USA. in this exhibition. 
What's the shoe size for the right. exhibition? So the, what, shoe, what size shoe is he wearing? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he got a tighter okay. shoe now. But point being, it's just like, I don't know what's more patriotic. You want to talk about service to your country. The fact that any of these guys are actually playing for Team USA says a lot coming off not just this season that was truncated, and uh, but coming off of the bubble season as well. Not to make excuses, but there's excuses and there's yeah. reasons. So there's perfectly good reasons for them to be tired for a lot of these players to be tired to be wearing out in the second half of, of games like last night. What is encouraging though is again, it's an exhibition season right now. There's still time for them to gel. Okay, they're still being coached by if not one of the Man. most ornery definitely one of the greatest coaches in NBA history. Uh, so and like I said, there's reinforcements on my the reputation. Way. Sure. He's got a great reputation. He does he, and look, he's a, he's a he's got a Historic, you know what I'm saying? Historically, I'm not saying, come on, man. Come on. Hey, I'm asking you this. Let me ask you this. Mike, Mike, Mike. You, you nobody, let me ask you. nobody directly. I'm just going to say this one thing and you can have it back. I'm going to say this one thing you can have it back. Nobody derails conversations better than you. Continue. <laughs> Go continue. Go ahead. Go ahead. Continue. No, sure. I'd love to hear why Greg Popovich is overrated. Go right ahead, please. Be my guest. I didn't say he's overrated. I didn't say he's overrated. I'm just going yes, to ask you. Okay. All right, cool. You didn't use that word, no. but you insinuate. I said my reputation. <laughs> his reputation. His reputation is that he is great. So I'm saying he was great when they won those championships. But now I'm, I'm going to ask you a question, not about Greg Popovich, about anybody. Um, okay. Ooh, that's too close to home. I can't use that example. It's too close to home. I can't even do it. I can't even do it. I was going to, I thought of somebody. Well, now you have to. Wait a minute. Not, wait, now you have I, to. No, it's too close to home. Wait, now you have I'm to. I'm not doing it. I'm what? not doing it. Okay, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. Oh, this hurts. Okay, okay, really? Like, I'll do it. I'll do it. You have to. I'll do it. Okay. You know how I feel about Stevie, right? Right? Yeah. I love Stevie. Yeah, of course. We, I, we, so I, Stevie, not just you, but all of us, everybody. I, but everybody you know, but, but it's personal. From it's personal. I feel like right. He's your favorite. I feel artist. like that's my. He's your favorite artist. That, that's that's just yeah, like that's family. Your that's family. He's your, he's so Stevie yeah, had. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, uh, don't hate. Uh, don't at me. Uh, this is just indisputable. So I'm just going to say this and we're going to leave it alone. Uh, Stevie had uh, the greatest decade that any artist has had ever in the 1970s. Period. Greatest decade. Period. You can't like it. it I ain't here to argue with you on that. Right? We got it. It's over. Right. Argue so with greatest your mama. decade. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Sure. Yep. I mean, just all the hits, all the hits, all the hits. Yeah. I would. I would say that. Just purely based on songs in the key of life, but we got others. But I, okay, I digress. So Stevie in 1978, the way Stevie was viewed was a little different than 1988. So do we still say Stevie's the best, even if let's say a decade had passed since he was the best? Oh, okay. I hate to use. So it. are you suggesting that Greg Popovich maybe has lost his fastball a bit? You think he's lost his fastball? You think he's not the he coach? He I just was, I think it's interesting. Saying? Okay. In sports, oh, okay. in sports, that's we just different. give it to him. Fair enough. No, no, that's right? fair. No, that's fair. So you're not okay. When you say about reputation, when you said by reputation, I inferred. Maybe you didn't imply or didn't mean to imply, but I inferred that she meant. Yeah. Okay. Well, he was fortunate enough to have David Robinson and then the greatest power forward in no, in no, NBA no, history. no. He was, no, he uh, earned it. And that, so he's okay. He wasn't as good as as as. as but it's like, is he still one of the greatest coaches? Is he still? So, okay, he's one of the greatest is coaches of all there? time, 
but he may not still be one of the greatest coaches in the game currently. It sounds like what you're saying right now. That maybe is a little bit of exactly. disconnect between. Okay, and maybe there's just something to do with it. And he is not. He is not exempt from criticism for this 0 and 2 exhibition. He thinks start. he is though. But I'll take my chances. He thinks he is. I'll take he my chances with Pop in those players. He thinks he's exempt from criticism, and he always has. That's why he has gotten away with from with members of the media, mind you. Members of the media have made jokes about his um, curmudgeonly ways. His, well, I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm supposed mm-hmm. to answer two questions. I'll answer one and I'll walk away. Or I'll give you a one-word answer, even though we're television partners and your network paid a lot of money for these games. But I'm gonna do this little thing, and you're gonna laugh about it. And everybody's gonna give me a pass because I'm Greg Popovich. Well, no, I'm not gonna give you a pass, Greg Popovich. Because let me just point this out. You said I'm not freaking out over exhibition games, Mike. Do you know what their record was in exhibitions before <laughs> they lost to Nigeria Popovich? and Australia? I, I think I they lost one. Say. Was it 50? <laughs> I think it was like I got it. I think I got it. Fifty. Because you know I'm 54 yeah. and one in the Dream Team post Dream Team. No, I think the second one was Nigeria. No, I think I think it okay. became 54 right. and two so, in Nigeria, or maybe not. What what are the two? Right. It was pretty good. Okay, exactly. We're in uncharted yeah. territory, is what you're saying. Yes, 100%. So yes. this is something no other country could say. They'd never lost back to back exhibition games ever. Like it, the United States hadn't done that. Hadn't lost back to back exhibition games usually doesn't lose exhibition games. The lesson for the United States no. is usually hell. Oh, we won by six. We got to play better. Oh, we only won by 15. Oh, we got to be a lot better than that. So look, he's I'm I'm putting you under investigation Popovich you and your team. It's not your fault entirely. It's the whole team. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I can't say Greg Popovich. the whole program and, and yeah. listen in 2019. And you know, let me, I'll tell you this. What were they seven? Let me run this by seventh you. at the FIBA World Cup Michael in 19 weren't they seventh yep. at the World Cup? So yeah, they were it shouldn't be a total shock. Yeah. Let me ask you this real quick. Let me run this by you um, right after that that 2000 uh, Olympics that I referenced and it was really disappointing. They won the gold, but a lot of uh, basketball fans were disappointed by the US's performance there. Yeah. So I remember doing some reporting yeah. and talking to a general manager after that Olympics. I said, how about this? I said, remember back with the great before 92. The best Olympic team I saw was 84 in LA Michael Jordan post mm-hmm. North Carolina. Patrick yep. Ewing, Bobby Knight, uh, coaching. Uh, Stockton, yep. Bobby Knight coached that team. Great, great team. Great. Michael Jordan rocking number nine. Dope. I mean, just an incredible team. But that team, uh, I don't think Barkley made the team. That team mm-hmm. was uh, brought together by something called the Olympic trials. So I asked the general manager, could you bring back the Olympic trials? He's like, it would never fly. So not, not with not with pros and like pros aren't Pros aren't going to do that. You're not going to have the Olympic trials. It's it's a selected team. I just wonder. I know, and I get it. I understand why. Like it would just be too much if Dame, for example, tried out for the Olympic team and didn't make it. I mean, that would just before. I mean, you know what before I mean? we go to break though. But I, I think. I, but I'm saying I think there's something valuable to making the team, and there's investment. There's investment there when you try out for a team and sure. you make it. And that, that's but we only have these conversations. But we only have these conversations when things don't go our way. 
Let's just, I just want to point that yeah. out. We only have these conversations about overhauling and change that when, when we don't win what we think we're entitled to win. Just want to make this last point mm-hmm. before we go to break. Just on the point about professionalism at press conferences. It ain't just Popovich. See, I can do this because I don't just give Popovich a pass when it comes to the media. I give everybody a pass. Check the check the wow. receipts. Check the tape. I I don't right. criticize players or anybody for being for being. I just don't care. I've never cared. You can you can say I'm here till I don't get so I don't get fined or I got bought that action care. balls or whatever you want to say. All you want. I don't care. I'll go talk to somebody else. I have never begged for it, and I ain't about to start now. Okay, but it ain't just pop. It's Saban. It's your boy Belichick. They all do it your and boy. they all get a pass. You know why? Because they win. Yeah. They, they do it. They, they do it because they win. That's what well, that's one reason why. That's one reason why. But but they, they, but most but more, more often than used not to win. They get to call the shots used to win. Used the Spurs going to make the playoffs. The Spurs make the playoffs this year. They were close. They threatened. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, did the Patriots make the playoffs this year? The Patriots no, hey, hey, only one right. of those three guys. Point taken, still right? Going strong. I got you. Sometimes I'm with you. Did. Sometimes I'm with an you. interruption. Yeah, don't so act what like we, you what, what are we the watching game. Argentina tonight? What, what are we watching Argentina tonight? USA. Hey, I, I, who, I, I, hey, little little appetizer for Game Five or Game Four. <laughs> who's favorite in this game, Argentina or US? <laughs> Can they win? Did they get a win? Way falling on hard times that bad. Not that bad. I think Nigeria just waxed Argentina, so I don't know if there's some. Okay, you know, well, watch out. Transitive property. Maybe there's some transitive property to be applied there. I don't know. Don't sleep on Argentina. Never. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Mike, you mentioned um, you mentioned um, the uh, process for making the Olympic team and uh, and tryouts and uh, Olympic trials and whatnot. 
if memory serves, Ben Simmons passed on participating uh, in the Olympics to work on his individual game. And uh, while we were on vacation and in Tahoe, there was a report that the Sixers had passed on a proposed trade from the Pacers for Malcolm Brogdon in the first round pick, which I thought was a mistake yeah, then. We never on. talked about it, but I thought that was a mistake then. No, stop. Don't insult me. Don't um, insult me. Don't insult me. If I'm Philly, don't insult me. You'll come. You'll come correct. Malcolm Brogdon in the first round pick for Ben Simmons. Okay. For real? All right. Okay. Uh, oh, I, oh, Mike. I don't want to. Mike, we'll, don't we'll, we'll come, we'll come anyway, back to that in a second. I don't want to derail it. I'd actually no. I actually stay, want to talk about stay, today's stay news. I want to talk about today's news, okay, the most focused. current development. I want to I want to discuss the most current Crazy. development in the the thing that Fine. that had that was making headlines all day today. Okay, that was I was I was referencing that yeah. to say that this has been ongoing. The thing that made headlines today mm-hmm. is uh, Shams has reported through the Athletic that the Sixers mm-hmm. have opened up trade conversations surrounding Simmons and have engaged with teams. Sources told the Athletic. Those sources also say that teams that have engaged with the 76ers about Simmons have been met with a high price threshold for the three time all star quote. They want an all star caliber player in return. One source with knowledge of the ongoing talk said so the development is not just uh, development is that not just the, the, the speculation that's been ongoing about whether or not Simmons would be available or uh, whether or not the Sixers would be willing to trade him. But the latest is that Shams is saying that they they're they're there now. They're engaging with teams about about trading okay. Ben Simmons um, and good for all parties involved. I said before uh, game seven that he had to go after game seven when both Doc and Joel Embiid called him out. It was clear that there was no threw more room at the or end threw him under the bus. in Philadelphia threw him under the bus. But go ahead. Well, no, rightfully so, and here's why. And, I, and I, I've been wanting, I've been wanting to say this for a while, because we can debate his value, and we will. We can debate, and discuss his value, um, and what a soon to be. I think he's almost 25. Might be 25 by now. Uh, two-time All Defensive Player, All League yeah. selection that plays that kind of defense and passes like that. Yeah. All-Star player. Like there, we can debate what his value is. But here's here's my issue with somebody who's. One of his primary skills is passing to a fault, as we learned or as we were reminded in Game Seven. Um, can you still hear me, Michael? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I got you. Can you hear me, Michael? I can hear you. Yes, yes. Tell Michael. Okay, Smith. well, no, I, 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 I lost you. I, lo- I lost you. I lost you for a second for whatever reason. I lost you for a second. I got you. I got. I got yep. you back now. I lost you for a second. All right. Okay, um, as I was saying, uh, he's he passes to a fault as we were reminded in, in, in that uh, infamous moment mm-hmm. in game seven. Mm-hmm. But and I was glad I am glad to hear that he's working on his individual game because the word that comes to mind when I think of Bill Simmons right now is Ben Simmons right now is selfish. Which again is ironic given the type of passer that he is is selfish. Okay, let's hear this. And this is let's why I, I take exception. This this is why I take exception with the notion that Doc and Embiid threw him under the bus. And this is why I believe that the Sixers uh, have every reason and every they obviously have every right to move on from him. 
because for him to be self checked the way that he is tells me he needs to check himself because it is selfish for you to not have spent every moment trying to be the best version of yourself that you can be. If he, I, the idea that like, oh, he's going to work on his, I hope he's always been working on his game and just hasn't gotten the results. Michael, I would feel better if he just has some kind of either mental or mechanical quirk, whether it's that he's shooting with the wrong hand or Maybe. not, that prevented him, that prevented yeah. him from improving. If he was just broke and could not be fixed, okay? If he was just broken, if there was no, no fixing him, I'd feel better about that than the idea that a player to this point has shortchanged not only himself, but his teammates. Because if you, if he thought that it was fine for him to, to, to be an offensive liability and had not put in the work in previous off seasons that, he, that they say he's putting in now, he's dedicated to putting in now, that's selfish. Because that's coming at Doc's expense. That's coming at Seth Curry's expense. And that's coming at the expense of the process. You're holding them back when you don't handle your business. It ain't just about Ben Simmons. It ain't just about him not being a complete player. It ain't just about him not reaching his potential. When they're relying on you, when they're paying you that max contract, when you're one of the faces of the franchise, when you're being looked upon to take this team to the next level and, and, and Joel Embiid is out there playing hurt and doing everything he can, wearing down at the end, I get it, but doing everything that he can and Doc Rivers' reputation is on the line, and you don't show up because you didn't show up and put in the work in the offseason? Damn that, dog. That's not, now you're doing this at my expense. This ain't about you no more. So all, my hope and my prayer for Ben Simmons is whether he plays in Philly or whether he plays in Minnesota or Portland or anywhere else, wherever he plays, is that he gets his act together, not just for his benefit, but for those of his teammates. Because too often we talk about individuals, we leave out the fact that whatever they don't do to bring out the best in themselves comes at the expense of the greater good. And there is nothing more frustrating than being held back. There is absolutely nothing more frustrating than being held back. And Ben Simmons, because he's an offensive liability, is holding the Sixers back by choice. Again, I'm not in the gym with him. I'm not with him shooting in the gym. Maybe he has been putting in the work no, and he just no. hasn't experienced the results yet. And I can appreciate that he's 25 years old and he still has a ways to grow. And, and, and I look at Giannis and all the things we, people said about Giannis and how their tunes are changing after two games in the NBA Finals. We don't give these kids time to grow and develop. But it's also time to grow up and be a professional. And it's inexcusable at this stage of your career to not only struggle shooting, but be unwilling to shoot because you're in your own head because it seems like you wasn't in the gym. Because this can be fixed if you want to fix it. Meanwhile, you ain't doing it on our time if I'm Philadelphia. Do it on somebody else's time because there's a window here that you have only shortened because you didn't have the keys to the gym to get into the gym and fix this before this season. The doors of the church are open. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I appreciate the passion. I appreciate the commentary. Really, uh, really some good stuff. And I agree with some of it. I agree with what you said about Ben Simmons. Some of it. But uh, before I start uh, talking about Ben, let me just point out Ben. You're right. He'll be 25 next week. And he is from Australia. 
Australia didn't even need Ben Simmons to beat the United States <laughs> exhibition matchup. Way to bring it full circle. They didn't even, they didn't even need him. I like, oh, we got it. We got it. Ben, keep working on your shot, dog. We got this. It's the U.S. Give me the rock. I got KD on me. <laughs> Mismatch. I got KD. On me. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but Mike, look, Ben Simmons. You you start off. You said you didn't, I didn't want to derail you, so I didn't really press down on your first statement. Malcolm Brogdon, reportedly Malcolm Brogdon, and a first round pick for Ben Simmons. And I said, don't insult me. And I'm, I'm speaking from Philadelphia's perspective. You can say you and everybody else can say whatever you want about Ben Simmons. But you mean to tell me we all know what his limitations are. We all know what his quirks are or to be more specific what his weaknesses, what his limitations are yet. He's an all star player and all league defender. So this is not some broken toy who uh, has no value in the league and we'll find that out. We'll see it. When the Sixers wind up trading him and and we'll see what kind of haul they get in return. It will be a haul because there's going to be a strong market for Ben Simmons. So sure he could have worked on his shooting. He could have been a better free throw shooter. It's not asking a lot. He could have been a better offensive player, but he was never asked to do that before. And maybe part of the responsibility is on him. Hey, you got to handle your own business. But the other part is on the enabling that he got from every coaching staff that he's had, including Doc Rivers and his staff. Now, I got I got receipts on this one. Go back, Doc. You know how much I love Doc, but Doc was very dismissive. When people want to talk about Ben Simmons earlier in the year, this talk, this started before the playoffs. Philadelphia reporters can tell you. They'd ask Doc about Ben Simmons. And he said, well, what are we supposed to do? We were supposed to put him on the bench because if you tell me you want to put Ben Simmons on the bench, then you tell me you don't know basketball. So he did that whole you don't know basketball if you think dot 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 to people. So every coaching staff this guy has had has pointed out his uh, his his physical gifts has pointed out that he is a pass first player. He's a great teammate. He's a disruptive defender. Look at that size. Look at that athletic ability. Very heady guy. We don't need five scores on the floor on and on and on and on. So yes, blame Ben Simmons, but also blame the people. The same people who threw him under the bus were the same people who also enabled him just a couple of months ago. So we let's not forget that. I think he is not done. He is far from being done as a player. I don't know how it could work out. I know he's a clutch sports guy. I don't know how we could work this out. Ben Simmons sure would look good in Los Angeles. Ben Simmons would look good with Anthony Davis. Los Angeles what? And LeBron James. Why? Look good playing. Why? Why? He's a, a, another athletic, great, pl- multi-positional player. Like, it, we've gone too far with the Ben Simmons slander. He had a horrible postseason. He was horrible. But he's not a horrible player. Okay, I, I guess. And, okay, and, said, okay, hold on. And, before, and, and, hold on. In his hold career, on. he's not. I just played, don't want you to go too plateaued. far because. Hadn't plateaued. I hope not. Which which was the purpose of my rant. I hope he hasn't. Okay, so a couple of things. Have we gone too far to Ben Simmons slander? Maybe. Yes. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 okay. Because he because he because he does a lot of things well. But. It's really problematic. 
when you're such an offensive liability that it holds your team back. So it's like that thing that he doesn't do. Well, it's not like, oh, he's not he a helped. great three-point shooter or he's it's he like the thing so he doesn't funny, do well though. is such he's a critical so thing funny. to be able to at least be competent at. At least be competent. Let me call you out. That's all, but okay. Let me call you out. But okay, hold on. Can hold I on, call but, you out? Okay, but before you call me out, I'll, I'll try to make this quick. I'm not about to sit up here and talk about a grown-ass man and a professional basketball player being enabled. Okay? Work on your game. So there's that. Okay, right. And lastly, that's, that's part of it. I just find that's it interesting. I just find it interesting that yesterday and previously you hated the idea of Steph and Dame playing together because of redundancy. I, I, LeBron and Anthony Davis, they need to be surrounded by shooters. Not another, not a poor man's LeBron, or not, no, another wannabe LeBron. Anthony Davis okay. doesn't need to have somebody. Is it say so? You taking Joel Embiid's problem and giving it to Anthony Davis? Somebody else crowd well, the paint. You said that, that can't shoot. LeBron, like, I, I don't see that. And Malcolm Brogdon, you talked about knowing the game. Malcolm Brogdon may not be as good as I'm mean, gonna use your word. He may not be as good as Ben Simmons on reputation, but give me his Don't 25, 5, and 5, and his ability to shoot in Philadelphia, much better fit. Solves their problems. I would take, if I'm down here, you could sit up here on your high horse and say, if oh, he's available. oh, no, we want an all-star level player. Like, get out of here with that. Get get you if somebody who can help yeah. you win. They go get an all-star level player. Malcolm Brogdon, get one because they should have taken that trade and run. Oh, stop it! But he's worth, he's worth more than that. And, and I am going to call you out. Before I call you out, I'm just okay. point out LeBron's about to be right. 37, right? It's about to be 37 in December. Something ben like Simmons that. about to be 25. You pointed out yesterday one reason to get um, uh, multiple all-star players because somebody may not be available. Two out of the three years LeBron's been in LA, he's missed long stretches of time because he's about to be 37. So you can't just assume that he's going to be there for his 75 to 82 games a year. That's one. But here, let me call you. This one I'm going to call you out on. Ben Simmons mm-hmm. holding Philadelphia back. Who was the number one seed in the Eastern Conference this year? I think it was Philadelphia. Who was an all-star for Philadelphia this year? I think it was Ben Simmons. Oh, I didn't realize that was the object of the exercise. Oh, oh I'm no, so it's sorry. not the object. The one that just, it's no, not I'm the so object. sorry. The guy that tells me that the Clippers and the Nets have failed because they didn't win a championship is telling me that congratulate right. the Sixers for making it to the conference finals and no, losing not to the Hawks no, no, no. on their own court. No, this guy I want to call you out. That's not now Luke, I'm gonna tell you why I'm gonna call you out. Because you have told me many times. Uh, I, I, you keep telling me about Kevin Durant shoe size. Hey, if, if not for Kevin Durant wearing a different size shoe, yeah, your sure, team sure. would be in the conference finals and they got to game seven, blah, blah, blah. In the conference semifinals. The game was. How close the game Guess was. who else got to game seven? Guess who else got to game seven in the conference semifinals? Nobody's holding a parade for them. They, they, didn't, Nobody cares. they didn't get that because of him. They didn't get that because of Simmons. They it got into Look, that position it, it, to have a game seven at the crib I wish, because of I wish Ben the kid Simmons. Well. I, I wish the kid well, but he got but he well, got to good. want it. And again, I don't know what kind of hours he's put he in, but it ain't been good enough. It ain't been good enough. And his good it. enough ain't I'm good enough for, for Philadelphia. Simmons. And that's a disservice to Philadelphia. 
Okay? They Ain't gave up worse on. than being held back. He's held them back. They gave up. He's a liability. Okay, let's see. Oh, well, you know and what? And I'll tell you like Obviously, I told you before game seven. Hey. He got to go. Guess what, Mike? I guess there'll be a parade on Broad Street next year because Ben Simmons is out of the way, and now Philadelphia can win their first championship in 30 years. If they took that okay, Malcolm Brogdon trade, Simmons. if they... Yeah, because if now they took Brogdon, that trade, who won't be available with his broke knees. Not hating, but I'm saying he's got injury concerns. I like Malcolm Brogdon. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. I truly hope that I can finish my career with the Lakers and how many yeah. years that is, if it's if it's four, five, six, whatever, seven. There we go. You know, I hope I can I continue to play the game. You know, I yeah. love being in L.A. My family loves being in L.A. Being with a historical franchise like the Lakers is something like, it's like me, you know, being in Space Jam now. I never thought it would be possible. You think yeah. about Kareem and Magic and Wilt and Jerry West and Elgin Baylor, Kobe Shaq, all the, the whole list goes on. All right, LeBron James. You heard that, Michael? Uh, he talked about everybody, didn't he? He talked about everybody, uh, uh, Mike. <laughs> he went down a whole list of Lakers. He could have even gone to the uh, to like the, the revered reserves. He should have mentioned Kurt Rambis and Michael Cooper too. But no, I, I'm uh, just LeBron trying, I'm James just tripped out at the four, five, six, seven. That, that's a, I mean, you know, not, not just another couple of years. He said four, five, six, or seven years. It'd be, it'd be Tom Brady age at the end of that, right? Hey, hey, listen, he uh, Tom Haberstroh worked in Miami, so he knows that's it. when LeBron gets rolling. He'll do that. That's how he got started with that. Not one, not two, not three. <laughs> he just kind of got goaded on and he was like, hey, I'll just keep going until you stop me. So Stro, tell me this. First of all, no, good, to, good to see you, brother, but I, I'm wondering, is this realistic? LeBron's going to be 37 in December. He plays four more years. We're into his early 40s. Is that even realistic? You know, there's two things to talk about here. One is Kareem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the all-time scoring record, and that's not his best skill. Like, that I think is something that LeBron James is seriously wanting to chase as kind of the icing on the cake. He's got his rings, he's got his MVPs, but what a statement it would be if LeBron James could be the all-time scoring leader in NBA history, and that's not his best skill. Like, passing is his best skill. The fact that he is able to pass that well at that size – 
being a point guard at 6'8", 6'9", built like Karl Malone. He's 2,800 points away from topping Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the all-time scoring leader. Uh, leader. And I think that's, the, that's one of the big things that's left on his resume. The second thing that we need to talk about here with LeBron James and his longevity and how he wants to finish his career is his son, Bronny James. Like, you have to talk about the opportunity that LeBron James could play in the NBA with his son, which I believe would be the first and only time that's ever happened. We've seen Ken Griffey Jr. do it with his father, Ken Griffey Sr. Wow. But for LeBron James, getting that all-time scoring leader from Kareem in LA and also playing with his son, I think those are two things that he's angling for on the rest of his resume. All right, tell me this. Uh, that, that is interesting. Just um, in all seriousness, is Bronny a real pro prospect or are we talking about Bronny because of his name? Well, let me ask you this. Let's say he's a second round pick. Like he's not a first round pick, not a lottery pick. But LeBron James tells everybody in the league, hey, if he is on your, if you draft my son, I'm coming with you. I'm going with my son. How high does Bronny James go in the draft if you know that you're going to get a package deal with LeBron James? So even if, let's just say, even if Bronny is like a second round borderline NBA player, but LeBron James wants so desperately to play with his son that he will go anywhere he goes. If Charlotte takes him number one overall, Bronny James, and they get LeBron James, that's a pretty cool story, right? So I don't know if Bronny James is an NBA player at this point. It's probably too early to tell. I'm not a draft expert, but I do think that this is going to linger over the NBA for the next couple of years is the prospect of Bronny James being in the league with his father, LeBron James. You're telling me LeBron not going to be on that same team? So that's going to be fascinating to watch. I don't know if LeBron's body is going to hold up as well as he is. Uh, all-star caliber player, MVP candidate caliber player Whoa. in two years. But man, I would still for the tickets. You're telling me Sacramento, Charlotte, Minnesota. If they have the opportunity to bring in LeBron, well, I'm doing it. Well, I actually think it goes back to L.A. Stro and, and, and LeBron's comments. It's uh, maybe he was thinking this way. Maybe he wasn't. He's always, you know, manipulating and thinking steps ahead and thinking macro is this is leveraging the Lakers. So this is a not so subtle message to the Lakers. Like when the time comes, if you want me here, if you if you want me to finish my career here, it would help if you found a way same as you did 25 years ago to get Kobe Bryant. I'm not saying Bronny James is Kobe Bryant. I'm saying find a way to get Bronny James in a Laker uniform. You want me here? Have my son playing with me, whether it's drafting him, trading for him, whatever he is. But actually, you, you touched on something. This is where I want to take the conversation about LeBron is how do you see he's, he's aged like fine wine. How do you see his game aging into his late 30s and early 40s, provided he can stay healthy for the most part? I don't think he's injury riddled lately as he's had some bad luck the la last year and, and, and uh, two years before. Um, but how do you see his game aging and evolving? He's going to be more Carl Malone than he is LeBron James. Like, I think that's going to be how he's going to age is trying to be back to the basket, pick and roll big man. I think he should be playing more full time at the four and put Anthony Davis at the five. I think that's the way you're going to maximize LeBron James bullying guys uh, at the four position closer to the basket. Like, I don't think this Andre Drummond, JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, Marcus Gasol thing is going to work. Like, they're going to have to do 
uh, a downshift where Anthony Davis is going to suck it up and have to play at the five full time and have LeBron James at the four. And then they space the floor, right? It's easier to find shooters at the one, two, and three than it is at the four or five. So I think LeBron James and Anthony Davis need to be surrounded by shooters And that's going to be LeBron James going to the four position. I covered LeBron at his darkest hour, 2011, after the finals, when he just got embarrassed by J.J. Barea guarding him in the post and LeBron James not being able to uh, capitalize on those mismatches. And it really changed him. You know, I think Ben Simmons, you guys were talking about him earlier in the show. It takes that national slander to have that kind of come to Jesus moment of, I need to change. This is not working out for me. I don't like being the villain anymore. I don't like being the butt of all these jokes. I don't like being the punchline. And sometimes it takes this level of vitriol from the public to have that kind of look deep in your soul and say, well, how do I want to get better as a player, as a, as a person? Do I want to use this kind of, you don't have, like that was the thing with LeBron. You don't have a post game. You need to go with Hakeem and learn how to play in the post And that was kind of the shift in his kind of retrospective moment after the 2011 finals is I need to work on being the guy setting the screen and I need to embrace being a big man. And Eric Spolster sat him down and said, look, man, you don't have a title yet. We've won titles here in Miami. We're going to help you get there. And to get you there, you need to embrace not playing full time at the four, but embrace being a big man. And I think at this stage of his career, LeBron James is going to have to realize He can't play point guard running up and down the floor all 82 games anymore. Like his groin, his ankles, like I don't think that's going to work out for him. So he needs to embrace being more Carl Malone and Amari Stoudemire than he is being Chris Paul, Steve Nash. And he also added a a Hmm. more than reliable outside shot as his career went on. So you mentioned Simmons, which is exactly where I was going to go with you here. And you actually uh, mentioned the best fits around LeBron and Anthony Davis because before you joined us, my man over here uh, was 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 suggesting that Simmons with the Lakers was a good fit. Uh, I thought that was ridiculous, uh, with all due respect, Michael. Uh, but nonetheless, you, you mentioned Ben Simmons in general. Of course. What is the Always. best fit for Ben, ben Simmons? <laughs> what is the best fit for Ben Simmons in your mind, or the best trade partner for the Sixers? Now that, according to Shams at the Athletic, the Sixers are actually engaging teams on trade talks for Ben Simmons? Well, first of all, the only way that Lakers trade works is if LeBron James somehow has the key to Ben Simmons's brain and the yips about taking jumpers. The only way that works is if Ben Simmons turns into some sort of jump shooting phenom because you're telling me Ben Simmons has a tough enough time getting in the paint in the playoffs with just Joel Embiid in the paint. Now throw in Anthony Davis and LeBron James at the four And I don't see how Ben Simmons is going to assert himself enough where he's going to be able to be an all-star caliber, all-NBA player with LeBron James and Anthony Davis needing that paint space. So I don't think that's a good fit. Um, But I do think that for Ben Simmons, Portland makes the most sense. You have an organization that is in, in flux right now with the Chauncey Billups hired, Damian Lillard, you know, having the little whispers from Chris Haynes at Yahoo Sports saying, you know, there are factors here that, that Damian Lillard could force his way out of Portland. They have Ben Simmons, who is the defensive, uh, you know, skeleton key that they've been looking for for years. They've been looking for a Draymond Green type for years. So you make that swap with C.J. McCollum. I don't see the, the, the Blazers making a trade for Damian Lillard 
and, and Ben Simmons straight up. I think the more interesting one to talk about, more likely one to talk about, is C.J. McCollum, who is one of the best shooters in like the it. NBA. Averaged 23 points a game last year for the Blazers. Was not totally healthy, but you're telling me C.J. McCollum, one of the best on-ball dribble spot-up shooters in the NBA, couldn't be an all-star in the East next to Joel Embiid. I know the reports are saying they are looking for an all-star caliber player, an all-star in return. I think C.J. McCollum should have been McCollum in the East. C.J. McCollum is an all-star yeah. in the East, multi, multi-time multi all-star in yeah. the Eastern Conference. So throw yeah, out the fact no, that he yeah, hasn't no. been an all-star in, no, in no. Um, He's averaging 23 no, points no. a game, efficient 23 so come on, in come on. Portland. Hey, Imagine okay. him next to MB. In the East. Okay, I in agree, the East. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just thinking about the people at his position. Uh, you think about uh, Mike's favorite player, James Harden. You got James Harden. You got Bradley Bill, you got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You got a lot of, uh, you got Malcolm Brogdon. You got a lot of guys there who are, if not better than C.J. McCollum, all the guys I mentioned, most of them are better than C.J. McCollum. Malcolm Brogdon uh, recently in that conversation, I don't see it. But here's the thing. Tell me this, tell me this. Stro. what's the, is is C.J. McCollum enough for Ben Simmons? I feel like now that they made him available, I think there's going to be a lot uh, coming Philadelphia's way, and it's probably going to be a higher package than what Portland can offer with C.J. McCollum as the as the anchor of that of that package. Yeah, it's a great question. Is C.J. McCollum as the gem of a deal in a package? Is that going to be enough? Well, the question is, it's only enough if that is the only one that is being offered, right? So you have to look at other offers is Daryl Morey going to have on the table for uh, for Ben Simmons so I look at a team like Charlotte Gordon Hayward plus Devontae Graham who's a great three-point shooter um, are is that enough to get Ben Simmons I don't know he's 31 years old CJ McCollum is 30 years old uh, Malcolm Brogdon is 29 himself so none of these prospects or none of these potential suitors are going to have I think a all-star, a young all-star on the table for Ben Simmons. So if you're telling me De'Aaron Fox, Sacramento, Gordon Hayward, Hornets, C.J. McCollum and Portland, Malcolm Brogdon in Indiana, which of those packages is Daryl Morey feeling best about? To be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if he said, I'm waiting. I'm going to pass on those until next season. I have a little bit more leverage coming into the trade deadline. Maybe a young team starts to implode. And some of the young stars right now that are happy with their teams, maybe they are a little restless and they want out. I see if those are the packages and he doesn't get a bona fide all-star in that package, maybe he just sits, Daryl Morey sits and waits until the season. And maybe someone like Bradley Beal, the price tag comes down or someone else that, that right now might not be approachable price tag and that it will be on the table come next season. Uh, Stro, I want to ask you this uh, quickly. Just want to, I don't know if you're a betting man. I am. Uh, Team USA favored by 18 and a half points tonight against Argentina. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if you're going to go with Argentina or the U.S. You tell me. Uh, in all seriousness, how do you feel about what's happening with Team USA the last couple of games? Yeah, I'm, I'm stunned. Um, Greg Popovich has not produced as the code Team USA in ways that we thought he would. And yes, everyone has the respect for Greg Popovich, but X's and O's wise or ego wise on the floor, they look totally disorganized and afraid to shoot. Like, I think a lot of this is like, they're, they're not really playing team basketball. And Draymond Green is their only playmaker right now. 
Like he's the only one on the team with over seven assists or eight assists a game in the NBA. Like Chris Paul is not playing for him. Trey Young's not playing for him. Of course, Luka and Giannis or elsewhere. Jokic is elsewhere, not playing for America for obvious reasons. But like when you look at this roster, they should absolutely be beating Argentina by that much. Let me tell you this. Luis Scola is still playing for Team Argentina. Like, <laughs> Luis Scola has no hair. Like, he cut his hair. I was stunned to see this on Twitter that, that Luis Scola is still playing for Team Argentina. Like, if that isn't an indication that they, they should win that game in a romp, I don't know what is. So they should win by 20-plus against, against this Argentina team. But then again, I did not see them losing to Nigeria and Australia either. Kevin Durant and Damian Lillard should not – tie for the team lead with four rebounds apiece. Uh, Tom Abbastro, always on point, always accurate from deep. Uh, we appreciate the knowledge, brother, man. We'll talk to you later. Appreciate you guys. Thank you, man. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Mike, uh, uh, I was very interested to hear from Peyton Manning yesterday, and I'm going to tell you, I probably should lower my expectations. When you have a, a, a big-name Hall of Fame player, and Peyton Manning certainly is that, comes from royalty, you know that, being from New Orleans, hometown of, of Peyton Manning and the Manning clan, the Manning dynasty, you know what it's like. Peyton Manning says something people pay attention. Uh, I'm going to tell you why my expectations are too high. This is what Manning says about uh, Aaron Rodgers. Hope he plays somewhere this year. The fact that Aaron Rodgers might not play this year, I can't fathom it, he says. He's too good of a player. Too fun to watch for the fans. I personally hope it's in Green Bay. Uh, that's what I see him as. I hope they can make amends and work it out. That team is so close. If we were to leave there, it'd be a major change, obviously, for them. Mike. And, and, and he, he went on. He went on and on. Talk about Denver. Okay. Drew Locke, Teddy Bridgewater. Thanks, Peyton. Thank, thanks, Peyton. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. This really stood out to me. These comments from Peyton Manning. Because I like hearing from players. And I don't know why I put Peyton Manning in this category. I shouldn't have. And I won't, I won't make the mistake again. I like hearing from players who, wait for it, tell you what they're thinking. And it's an original thought that is not connected to whatever the empire is. So Peyton Manning, in other words, let me make, make it plain, preacher. So it sounds like to me, Peyton Manning has the talking points of any establishment NFL person. I see I see Aaron Rodgers as a Green Bay guy. That's what I see him as. I can't fathom him leaving. Uh, I can't imagine Aaron Rodgers wouldn't play football this season. 
I'm looking a little bit, I'm looking for a little bit more insight from, from Peyton Manning. It's almost as if he's telling us Maybe didn't have it. what anybody else would tell us. I mean, that's not really an original take. And I think the, the problem Peyton is making is a problem a lot of people are making. They just can't see a world in which Aaron Rodgers is so upset with the workplace. It's a workplace issue, not a football issue. They can't see a, a scenario in which Aaron Rodgers is so upset with the workplace. He says, I'm good. Now I'm just gonna sit it out. If I need to sit it out for the year, I'll do it. If I need to force a trade, I'll do it. They can go ahead and do their thing. They're gonna do it anyway without me, but I'm not gonna be a part of this because it's the Packer tradition or because this is what I do. Uh, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to fill this void anywhere else. Nothing satisfies me like being a court, being the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. I still see it that way. I think this is a really serious issue that nobody starting with the Green Bay Packers organization is really taking seriously. So I don't, uh, I don't think that's the case. Yeah, I, they're not taking it seriously. I, 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 I think you're generalizing. Uh, first of all, no, no, I'm, I'm not slightly okay. amused. They're not taking it seriously. Good. Good. Yeah, I don't think well if by not taking it seriously, you mean they're not acquiescing to his passive aggressive trade demand then okay, well, you may have to do that. that. That's your definition of not well, taking it seriously. Okay, um, but I'll, hey, this is I'm, amu- I'm amused that you that you brought this topic up. I'm amused that you brought this topic Why? up because I think at one point you it's were sick topic. and tired of talking about Aaron Rodgers. It's my favorite topic. It, well, but it wasn't always you, the case. Favorite topic, it, but it wasn't always. It wasn't always. But what that I'm right? Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, I just okay. Cool. I just want to make sure I wasn't tripping. A um, couple of things you said uh, incorrect there. Uh, one was um, the idea that nobody could see a world in which he sits out. Hello, did I not introduce the concept of a sabbatical to you months ago? That I could see Keep Aaron Rodgers just deciding I'm I got taking the year off. I, and I wrote it. We'll I wrote it down right here. I got the. Res- I, okay. I got Mike Smith's so receipts that. right here, right here, right here. But I think I, th- I think why Peyton said what he said is that was difficult to imagine because it's never happened before. So in that respect, you're right. It's hard to imagine something we've never seen. We've never seen a reigning MVP not play for the team the following year that didn't retire. I think I think Jim Brown was the last person, but nobody's ever been traded. But Jim Brown was the last reigning MVP right. to say to, to not suit up for the team the next year. Um, he retired to be a, a, an actor, but traded never seen okay. it. let alone somebody just, you know, hold out. So I think what's a struggle is imagining a world in which the reigning MVP at this stage of his career with a team that good because it's it, unless it's a money issue, which it doesn't seem like a money issue as much as it seems like a security issue. Let me say that again. It's not a money issue as much as it is a security issue. And money, guaranteed money, does equal security. So I agree. I agree. It's not a money issue, and the team is good. This isn't Deshaun Watson pre-allegation saying I can't win here. So the unprecedented nature of a reigning MVP on a consecutive season NFC Championship participant just deciding I still want to play, but not play for them. Something we've never seen before. Um, so the unfathomable part is that at this late stage, a, this is where Peyton is right. 
another team is not going to pull off a trade realistically in time for the regular season. That's what that's what is hard to imagine. So and be that Aaron Rodgers wouldn't wouldn't July. come to his senses because the other incorrect thing you continue to say is force a trade. He can't force a trade. If he could force a trade, he'd have been traded by now. He can't force a trade. Tom Brady was clowning him about this because Why he's under he contract. Right. He's under okay. contract. So, so no and one that contract under is not contract about to expire. Okay. Not so no one, not you never not, said, not who's the re- not who's you keep not mentioning. who's the reigning MVP. I'll answer your question. Not who's the reigning MVP, and okay. not who has a long term contract. Somebody whose contract is set to expire and is like, this is an NBA thing. I told you before, those who try to identify some kind of a trend in the NFL, just because Russell Wilson got upset on Dan Patrick and Aaron Rodgers got upset and Deshaun Watson's upset, they all with the same team. We seen no, you didn't. No, you didn't. Not you. No, you didn't. I'm with you you on that. This is an NBA. I'm with you 100%. Okay, yeah. Yeah, don't try to bring an NBA, an NBA phenomenon into the NFL. Doesn't work that way. And in the NBA, it happens when right. a guy's contract is due to expire. He's about to be a free agent, and you trade him for, for it, it, so you won't lose him for for anything. So you just can't walk in a walk year. So Aaron Rodgers can't force a trade because the Packers don't want to trade him. Full stop. Feel like a broken record here, but he can't force it. Well, because well, the alternative is that well, he doesn't I'm, play, I, well, and they move forward with the first round pick. You keep saying that you haven't seen an MVP. Just not come back, and not, and unlike a Jim Brown situation where he retired, hey, I'm a, I'm in a NFL history. In the NFL, I'm gonna I'm I'm be a movie star. I'm gonna be a movie star. I'm 29. I'm done. Good. Won my championships. Won my Russian titles. Yeah, I'm Jim Brown. Yeah. Um. So you haven't seen that before, but tell me again: Have you ever seen in any sport? Think about the NBA. Any sport? Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen a player under contract force a trade? Even though that player was in a contract. Well, I think the only way you okay, if we want, let's be technical. Let's be technical. The only way you can be traded is if you're under contract. So that I mean, otherwise you're a free agent. So we really want to be technical about it. So right. so well, yes, but I'm saying, okay. A player, a player but who appears to is, be have no option. My point is, in, in, at the ri- at the risk of coming off as anti-player or pro-management, which I'm not. I'm pro-reality. Okay, the team has to see it as being in its best interest to trade that player. So the precedent in the NFL is Carson Palmer and Mike Brown, your favorite owner sat on Carson Palmer until he had decided that I got Andy Dalton and here comes Hugh Jackson and the Raiders offering me two first round picks. So that's in our best interest to do it. So when I say force a trade, this is not this is not Malcolm and Rudy flipping for it. And and, and right. the team saying, okay, Aaron, you got it. You got it. Rudy says, I got it. Mm-hmm. This that ain't what this mm-hmm. is. Aaron Rodgers can't force Mark Murphy <laughs> and Brian Gutekunst <laughs> to say, you know say what, Aaron? Rudy. All right, man. You say got it. Rudy. Sorry. Sorry, you're unhappy. We're just going to give away the reigning MVP. He can't force that unless and until they decide that that's what they want to do. And that ain't pro management. That's pro reality. Yeah. Um, 
I love that reference. <laughs> By the way, I love that reference so much. I may have to. I know you would. I may have to. Rudy says I got it. I may have to go check it out again. And then, yeah, and then how about how about Spike it. Lee's character in that same scene saying, "That was real dumb." Right. That was really <laughs> dumb. That was. Really, that was really dumb. Man. That was really dumb. It was really dumb. <laughs> it was really dumb. What's yeah. that, Rudy? Are you? Are Rudy you, says I got are, it. Are you done? Are you done? Are you done here? Because I actually want to pivot if you don't mind. Unless you got another. Unless you. Wanna, I want you to you pivot, but before you pivot, before you pivot, All I'm right. just going to say this. Um, it's July 13th. It's July 13th. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. as far as we know, has not been in conversation with the Green Bay Packers. He's walking around. He's uh, he's playing golf. Playing golf in Wyoming, or Montana, plays golf in on the Nevada California line. Uh, he's going to Hawaii. Uh, his hair is his hair is down his back. I mean, he's just Looks chilling. Great. He's having a good time. There's nothing about him that says football. There's nothing about him that says, "Hey, the season's about to start." When he gives interviews, he just seems indifferent. Is that fair? Indifferent. Coy, playful, yes. uh, unbothered. And I'm supposed to think that the Green Bay Packers are in control here. Look, you don't have to get, we're not, we don't have to keep going back and forth on this. You'll see, when we get to September and the reality sets in. Your pro reality, okay, I want, I'll just wait until September when reality sets in for the pro reality guy and Aaron Rodgers is not under center and you've got Jordan Love there. Hey, uh, 54 is the mic. When you got Jordan Love identifying the defenses, then it will set into you. This is a problem situation for the Green Bay Packers. They should be in full panic mode, and maybe they are. Maybe they're pretending for the camera that it's cool, but behind the scenes is chaos. I would be freaking out. The best player in franchise history, I said it, best player in franchise history says he doesn't want to be here anymore. And he's out here. That's scary. So anyway, go ahead, Tim. So you mentioned um, wanting to hear refreshing, you know, unusual, honest, thoughtful commentary from players. You talking about Peyton Manning up the top, and it, and it reminded me yeah. of the other thing I saw Empire. yesterday. And you, you talked about uh, uh, Lake Tahoe and uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, who we didn't get a chance uh, to run into. And he had some uh, some honest words about his uh, division rival, potentially his, his fellow young gun uh, in the AFC West, one Justin Herbert. So I, I'm assuming he knew he was mic'd up. Maybe, maybe he didn't. Uh, but here's Patrick Holmes, Patrick Mahomes, excuse me, from this weekend. Watch out for Justin Herbert next year. I'll see you when I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> he said, "Look out for Justin, Justin Herbert." It when I believe it. Um, let's go ahead and just like make the T-shirts now because I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna put this on record right now. I'm gonna go ahead and say it now. Last year, the Bucks made the Super Bowl for the first time as the host team, playing in its own stadium. Took 55 years for it to happen. This year, in LA, Rams, Chargers. Mark it down. Book it. Chargers going to the Super Bowl now. That's it. Chargers going to the Super Bowl because 
That, and I love Patrick Mahomes. Love Patrick Mahomes. That was so disrespectful. I'll believe it when I see it, or excuse me, I'll see it when I believe it. The, the ceiling is the roof. I'll see it when I believe it. I'll believe it when I see yeah. it. Whatever the hell he meant, he meant to disrespect Justin Herbert. And there will not be any Justin Herbert disrespect on this here program. And I don't know how you could disrespect a dude that went toe to toe with you in his second. His, was it his first? It was his first career start. His first career start against Kansas City. Yeah. They went to overtime. Now, they beat Kansas City in week 17. Uh, Mahomes didn't play. Chad Henney started. And it, he said it so dismissively. Like, you know, I'll see it when I believe it. I'll believe it when I see it, whatever, because of Chargers. The, it's all, you know what it reminds me of? It's, it's this year's version of the Browns is the Browns. This was very Juju yeah. Smith-Schuster of him. The Browns is the Browns. So it's like Chargers going to charge. Or it's just, or they're the Chargers. We ain't worried about them. Um, look, I know they got a rookie coach. You better be. You better be. And I think this will be a rallying cry for the Chargers this year. Justin Herbert is that dude. Okay? He, he, he I is. mean, what, incredible rookie he season. He is that dude. One of the best Are they that seen. team, though? And Are they that team? I, I think, I think this, this is the year. I know the Chargers have been saying that for their entire history. This is the year. And I think the Chargers wow. are that, that sleeper-type team that can upset the establishment in the AFC West. So, like, thank you, Patrick Mahomes, for giving their – the, the, the 2021 Los Angeles Chargers their – wow, I said Los Angeles Chargers. I didn't say San Diego. Los you Angeles did, Chargers, the, the title for their NFL yearbook. Remember NFL yearbook? Remember, remember NFL films, NFL oh, yearbook every year? It'd be like a title, yeah, you know, for, for, the, for the team that year. It's going to be believing is seeing. That's what it's going to be. Believing is seeing. I'll, 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 I'll see it when I believe it. it, it believing is seeing is going to be the title for it. He has given him the T-shirts to rally and cry. Watch out for the Chargers versus the other maligned quarterback in Los Angeles. My boy, Matthew Stafford. All L.A. Super Bowl. Bam. That's all I want to get By the way. To. By the way, real quick, two yes. things. Then we got company, I know. NFL yearbook yeah. is incredible. Don't you watch NFL oh, yearbook, all yearbook no matter what? Look, man, I remember watching like NFL yearbook. Loved it. the 1977 New Orleans Saints, who we know were not good, but it's just like, let me check it out. I'll wa- it's on. Yeah. I'll watch it. They're so well who done. That? Was, you tell me, was... Uh, the autumn wind is a Raider. Was that from a yearbook or was that like a, a, a summary of a playoff game or or a game summary? That I was classic. just a go to line. I, I just yeah, I was just NFL. But films. it was from a I it was actually from a name. package thing. Yeah, was it John Fakenda? Yeah. yeah, sounds about right. Um, you think Mahomes would have said that to us at American Century if we would if we would have asked Mahomes? Think he'd have said that to us? I don't know. I wonder if he'd have said it to us. No, Maybe. no. Okay. He was being heckled. And you know, when you're being heckled, sometimes you heckled, you got to just shut him up. He probably loves Justin Herbert. He probably called him. He's like, man, no disrespect. I like what you're doing. That was, worse, like than, like that was worse than Brady's MFR. That was worse than Brady's MFR. At least, at least that was a mystery. At least, at least Brady was a mystery. Right. This was like straight like we got up, a I'll here. see it when I believe it. Like, damn, dog. Like, you act like you went rookie of the year last year. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> messed up. He said, watch but out for the what? Chargers. Mahomes. He said, watch out for Justin Herbert by name. I'll see it when I believe it. Like, damn. Like, you know, his, his parents have a real like, good marriage. His real name is Clarence. To. Damn, you know. <laughs> he used to be compared to Brady. 
Montana, the all-time great. He's like, don't come to me with Justin Herbert. He's not on my level. That that's disrespectful to me. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Yo, Big Mike, did I ever tell you that my wife never forgives me for doing overdue expenses on our honeymoon in Hawaii? Um, oh, wow. I was never this committed to my job, but I guess it's a little easier when you got that kind of view. This is Russell Wilson showing off, flexing in more yeah, ways than one. That is, that, is, that is the definition of flexing. That is incredible core strength, and that is incredible motivation. That is incredible life goals. As if he don't live with life goals, my God, this is him working out from Italy, no days off. I've never yeah, seen okay. somebody on okay. one leg yeah. with a weighted one hand throwing a football. You know what? Incredible. So, nah, man. Nah, nah. Turning a throw football. Yeah. Can, no. I, can, I, can I put? I'm, I'm pushing back on this. You know, I'm gonna push back on this. You know why? You're right. It's incredible core strength. Is he on vacation, Mike Smith, Charles Robinson? Is my man on vacation? No I saw in the shadows. I saw a, a like a, a videographer like calm down dog. Like, we don't have to share everything that you're doing in your life. You're on vacation. You have a beautiful wife. You have a beautiful family. Enjoy your vacation. We don't need the, the updates on social media. Everything that you're doing and you have the ability to do. Look at this. Watch Look at the this. shadows. But when you can do this, but Charles, when you can do this, when you are, when you can do this, show it off. Like if I could do that, I would be doing it every day. If possible, yeah. I, I would be letting y'all yeah. know. Look how strong my core is. Listen, <laughs> okay, that's not okay. Was, it, was, it was like when uh, I remember when when Pete Carroll, DK Metcalf visited, and Pete Carroll took his shirt off, and everybody went crazy about that. I was like, if I was seventy and I had a uh, look, let's be honest, at forty-four, if I had a body like that, I would be walking around without my shirt off all the time. So if you got it personally there I is. continue to flaunt it as exactly. long as I possibly can we'll come back around <laughs> exactly we'll see the shadows in a second so, we got I got my whole <laughs> I got my whole uh, film crew with me on vacation hey I respect <laughs> I respect yeah. by the way I, I respect that you were actually paying attention to the shadows like I do because that is that's a, a good, that's that's good is, eye that's good that eye. is a journalism tip right there you're like wait a minute let me look in the background instead of let me not look at the ball right. let me this look was, away this wasn't authentic ball. Right. This right. was this was this wasn't somebody that just said, "Oh, look how hard Russell Wilson is working," and decided to film no, no. him. This was on brand. But okay, if, that, don't let the facts know we have a good story. It's a script, so Mike. Mike, he had he had a script yeah. for it. He's like, "Listen, in about minute three, I need you to talk, come around here." We need to talk. for sure. Okay. For sure. When, when, listen, all I know so is speaking of making, does it, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. It doesn't matter what he does, no matter what. What what's the what's the NFL films? Uh, the NFL football films where they do on the on on all the Super Bowls. Basically, when they do the Russell Wilson story, seventy five percent of it, 
America's game, 75% of it's going to be about his wife, okay, period. Because that is, to me, you cannot tell the story of Russell Wilson, the two Russell Wilsons, without his wife. Yeah. And, and so you can do whatever you want with your social media and your videographer crew or whatever. Right. When it's right. all told it's working for Sierra. without your wife. Yep, 100%. Right. And she got no problem with his corniness. So, look, uh, speaking of vacation, Aaron Rodgers is still on vacation. We missed him at the American Century uh, Championship yeah. out in Tahoe. Uh, he threw some balls into boats and, and gave some uh, non-answer answers. Um, but says he'll decide in a couple of weeks. You are our resident, uh, all things NFL expert, but especially Aaron Rodgers in this, in this context. Uh, what's the latest that you're hearing that you haven't written yet? Because we know you got some stuff in that notebook that you've been holding out on. I, th- I think he's dropping hints. You know, I think he's dropping hints that, you know, when he, when he said, you know, a couple of weeks about making, making a decision about, you know, things in a couple of weeks or – you know, getting back to work or, you know, I'm paraphrasing here. I'm trying to remember exactly what the question and answer was, but he insinuated that, you know, the time to talk about football is going to come in a couple of weeks. Well, a couple of weeks is the start of training camp for the green Bay Packers. And, um, you know, the fact that this boiled down to the Denver Broncos really, um, over the last couple of months and the fact that there's really been no indication that the green Bay Packers are, looking to facilitate any kind of a conversation with the Denver Broncos leads me to believe that what we have thought was the highest, you know, uh, probability after the draft is ultimately going to be the highest probability. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to end up reporting for the Green Bay Packers, but I think it's going to be under um, a number of things that are going to occur. I think there's going to be a reworked contract. Um, I think that there's going to be some sort of a, um, messaging from the front office and I, I think the team president about the importance of Aaron Rodgers and where he fits in that franchise and maybe the lessons learned over this this offseason. Um, the one thing that I think could be interesting here though, and and this is still speculative on my on my part. I'm not I'm not reporting that he is going to report because I think until Aaron Rodgers walks through that door, any report, you know, continues to be speculative. But I do think that if something contractually occurs between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, um, I think it'll be interesting to look at the element of power that is given to Aaron Rodgers in any kind of a restructured deal. And what I mean by that is um, if you're Aaron Rodgers and you're sitting there and you're saying, look, here are these things I want from the front office and they put this money on the table and that's great. But at the end of the day, my problem is about the front office, how they treat me, um, the consideration they give to me when it, when it comes to at least how the offense is built and the culture we build, how do I know that that's going to change? So for Aaron Rodgers, I think the way that you, you insulate yourself or, or, or put, a, put an insurance policy in that contract is to say, maybe give me an out clause after the, the 2021 season. You know, if, if things aren't working well, um, maybe there's a, a one-way player out clause or a two-way out clause from the team or from Aaron Rodgers to say, hey, you know what? We tried it in 2021, not really working. It, it didn't, you know, the things that I expected to happen um, in terms of the culture of the franchise coming down from the front office, that to me has not changed. And so I'm going to go ahead and exercise this out clause. And now I'm free after 2021. We tried it. It didn't work. Now everybody parts semi-amicably and everybody moves on and that yeah this sort of sort of like a last dance um scenario i would be surprised if he signs a restructured deal 
without some element of power that gives him an opportunity to, to depart after the 2021 season. Um, now, if he does, I think some other things, we're going to see that some other things have happened inside the franchise to give him some feeling of solidification under his feet in terms of how he feels about the front office. It's, it, that is the, the, the money's not the problem. Okay. It's, it's his feeling toward the front office. It's, it's him buying into the, the general manager and the team president and feeling like, you know, he talked about this idea of culture and, um, you know, it's not about a corporation. It's about the people who build the corporation. That's what's got to be mended here. And that can't really just be done with a contract. Can't just be done with money. So that's what's got to be resolved. Let, let, let me ask you this, Charles. Um, we look at, you know, Mike, Smith is fond of uh, pointing out that the Packers have gone 26 and six on the last two years. So how bad could it be for the Packers? Really? Uh, one championship game. They got blown out in San Francisco. Uh, but this one against uh, Tampa was very close. So if you look at them in the NFC, like how close are they? Clearly a couple of years ago, they weren't as close as the championship game appearance suggested last year. Look like they're very close to the team that eventually yeah. won it all. How do you see the Packers in the whole NFC landscape? Um, I still think the NFC is a lot like it was last season, where when we um, approached the playoffs last year, we looked at the NFC as a wide open shot, right? I mean, I think we all said, hey, it could be anybody out of the NFC um, that ends up in the Super Bowl. And, and, you know, Tampa was one of those teams that we looked at. We said, hey, this isn't, you know, an, a top seed that's going into the playoffs here. This is a question mark team that has kind of gotten it together down the stretch. And I still think the NFC is very much in that boat. Um, so I think the question that you have about the Packers, what allowed the Packers to be what they were last season? Um, the defense was not perfect last year. I mean, there were, I think there were, you know, if you really focused in on the defense, there were plenty of issues that needed to be tuned up this offseason, some of which they addressed, but Aaron Rodgers had to play really at that MVP level to get them where they went. And although I think that the pieces around him, you know, offensively, you're going to see some improvement there. Um, I still think Aaron Rodgers is going to have to play at a remarkably high level um, to, you know, get them in position to, to, you know, make that Super Bowl run. Um, do I think he can? Yeah, absolutely. I do. I think they, but I think they fit at the top of, of the NFC just like they did last year. But I also think, again, I think the NFC is going to be a dogfight. I think they're going to be six, seven teams that we look at and go, hey, any one of these teams gets hot and, and that's your Super Bowl team. I don't think the, NFC, the AFC is like that. I think the AFC, it's unrealistic to look at six or seven teams and go, that realistically could be the, the Super Bowl entrant. Chargers, Chargers. And, and I, know, I know you'll believe it when you see it. Or you'll see, or you'll see it when you I believe it. I love that. You'll see it. I, know. I like Chargers. I can't, believe, Chargers. I can't believe you so, didn't like that. So I like that a lot. <laughs> no, I mean, I liked it. But, I mean, it's just like, oh, Justin, I love Justin Herbert. I like, the, I like the, 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 the shade, but I love Justin Herbert. So, there's that. But, listen, I've waited an hour and 40 minutes to nerd out with two of my fellow, my favorite fellow football nerds. What's the biggest story in football right now? It's the biggest story in football, bar none. Okay, here it I've been waiting for this for forty years. My whole Ooh. life, I've been waiting for this. It's one of the oh, great like mysteries. Yes, I like that this. has been unlocked by the yeah. people who are doing God's work at Pro yeah. Football Reference. Okay, 
and that is accumulating sex prior yes. to 1982. I have awesome. hated the two things I hate is talking about what Bill Russell may have done before they started counting blocks and steals. The other right. thing I hated was trying to figure out just how dominant were people like Deacon Jones because sacks were not an official stat until 1982. And praise God, the folks at Pro Football Reference have now figured out the stats and the numbers are mind-blowing. Come to find out that Deacon Jones led the league in sacks five times and he had seasons of 20, he had two seasons of 22 sacks, one season of 21 and a half sacks, and another, yeah, that's that's the big ones. Yeah, that's the big ones. Two seasons of 22 sacks and one season of 21 and a half sacks. His career sack total was an estimated 173 and a half sacks. And of course, this is the man who birthed the term sack. Here's the other crazy thing. Jack Youngblood had 151 and a half sacks from 71 to 84. And yo, fellas, this is the crazy part. Follow me on this. Alan Page for his career had 148 and a half sacks. All right. Uh, Carl Eller for his career had 133 and a half sacks. And Jim Marshall had 130 and a half sacks. Pretty good unit. <laughs> okay. I mean, not all at the same time, of course, but I mean, the purple people right. eaters was out here doing work, dog. So Great. I'm just so excited about this. I just wonder if you guys like got that tingle about this story, yeah. especially in conversations about greatest players of all time, which Michael, you and I have all the time about whether or not it's Brady. It's just so hard when so many people's numbers up until now, like Deacon Jones weren't even able to be put in context. Charles Robinson. Yeah, I, I um, one of my nitpicking things that always bother me about NFL statistics is that we do have the games. Okay. There is an ability, the NFL's archives, NFL films, all of these games in particular, back to the NFL AFL merger, there's an ability to go back and, and comb through these games, either from the standpoint of the actual film that we have, or, you know, the statistical references that were kept that pro football focus used to compile these stats. Um, I think it should be recognized personally. Like that's the only thing that, that I don't like about this is that pro football focus has gone and done what the NFL should have done itself. And um, sacks in particular, because it is very quantifiable. Um, it's, it, you know, there's, there's, it, it's, there's not much mystery over whether a sack did or didn't occur. And, and to me, it's worthwhile going back to the merger and saying, you know what, we're going to compile. This is clearly something that defines our game. We're going to go back and we're going to compile the guys that were the best at it. And the Purple People Eaters, the, what I took away from this, beyond the fact that it was amazing and to see some individuals that we knew were great, now we really have a pin to stick and go, hey, look at that, this particular thing. Not this, you know, not some interviews, not some um, references, right. not, not just the Hall of Fame. People love stats in the NFL, and people love sack stats. And I think the Purple People Eaters, to me, Probably the single most, I think we can say the single most dominant unit defensively. And I, and I mean, from the secondaries, from the defensive line, from the linebacking court, I yeah. think the most dominant defensive unit in the history of the NFL. And I think it's amazing now that we can say that. Whoa. We don't do nicknames like we used to. Big. Purple people, steel curtain. Steel curtain would like a word with steel you. Steel curtain. The soul with the fearsome foursome. Steel curtain. We don't, we don't do nicknames like we used to, do we? You know, Legion of Boom was probably the last cool nickname. Yeah. But other than that, you know, we, you know those nicknames, man, they used to do them right back in the day. 
They definitely used to do them right back. They did. They did. I mean, but I think I think the steel curtain. I think the steel curtain will come for you, uh, and they will, Charles. They're gonna come for you. So the most dominant, the old timers are gonna be like, "What? Have you, have you heard yeah. of four championships in six years?" Hey, I, I understand that, but you know, on you the strength also, of a, on the strength of the defense, on the strength of the defense, but a and are you just talking about? Cast. Are you talking about the level of the def- of defense? Are you talking about level? I'm, because I mean, the steel curtain. I mean, technically, no, 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 that's, that's look, defensive I'm, line, linebacker, that, secondary. That's the whole thing. Exactly. You're talking about yeah, just that's the what D I'm, t- I'm talking about units. I'm yeah. talking about units. I'm not talking about overall defenses. Yeah. I'm talking about units. Um, because look, I mean, if we're okay. going to talk about overall defenses, we could still go to the Baltimore defense that carried Trent Dilfer to his one Super Bowl, and and still say mm-hmm. that that is uh, the the ultimate, you know. Uh, overall defense if you want to argue one team or or the you know the bears obviously um the in the mid 80s but i think just in terms of one unit one collection and if we're just talking about a defensive line or we're just talking about um a single unit i'm sorry but those totals are insane that's insane that's nuts yeah when you sit there and think about yeah he was a judge he was a judge too yeah, so there's that. <laughs> you <went on> the- <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. He could ball and and, uh, and he knows his way around a courtroom too. No, those <laughs> stats should be official. I don't understand why they're not official. They, okay, let's make them official now. That's one. And the other thing is, Mike, you talked about uh, Deacon Jones in the sack. He's also the first one who would do, and they outlawed this move because he was so vicious with it. He just slap you <laughs> up against your helmet. Yeah, the club. Yeah. And it, it not only head ringing, but concussed at some point it was really like a, he had a club yeah. for a hand and he just knocked you out. I love this stuff. I love it. It's great. Remember uh, another Charles, thing, another ahead, thing too, real quick before we get out of this. Um, this is back during a time when um, crackback blocks by, by offensive linemen, um, clipping. I mean, there were a number of things that offensive linemen could get away with, you know, to, to prevent you from getting to the quarterback, you know, and, and so. I know people sit there and they go, well, you know, um, when you quantify uh, statistics throughout the periods and you talk about, well, the game is softened, so maybe it's a little harder for, for this guy to achieve this or that. I would argue that today um, defensive linemen probably have a slightly easier time dealing with offensive linemen now than they did uh, in this past era, because offensive linemen, we were talking yeah. about all the things that defense yeah. could get away with. Offensive linemen could get away with a lot too um, that, that they can't oh, nowadays. Charles, I want to ask you what what it was like. Tell me about your process first uh, before you tell me about the piece uh, that you wrote for Football Morning in America. You wrote uh, about Therese Paler. And when you were asked, I wonder. You know, what did you go through? Like for me, I would have been like, oh boy, <laughs> uh, I, I would have I panicked for a little bit. Then I would have spent a, little, a lot of time. Okay, I can't write this. Okay, I'll write it tomorrow. I'll write it tomorrow. Okay, I need to sit down and think about it because it's such an important thing you're going to write. What was your writing process like for this piece that you put together? And uh, tell me just what you went through as you wrote it. Um, well, yeah, I, I appreciate asking. Um, you know, Peter King reached out to me and told me that, you know, Patrick Mahomes was was going to guest a part of this column and Steve Weish and a few other guys. And, um, you know, he asked me if, if I would be, be able to, to chip in and, and, you know, do a portion. And, 
you know, I had written for Yahoo shortly after Therese passed. I had written sort of a remembrance of Therese and talked about our friendship and, you know, uh, sort of absorbing that loss in the immediacy. And, um, you know, so Peter and I kind of had a dialogue and, you know, I told Peter, I said, I would, I would prefer if I'm going to contribute to this, I would prefer to write it from um, having a little bit of distance in perspective now. And I said, and I said to Peter, this might not be what you're looking for because it's going to deal with race and it's going to deal with the fact that I'm, I, you know, I was a white reporter, Therese was a black reporter and we went, you know, there was this tumultuous year that was, you know, really the final year of his life that he had gone through. And we had a lot of really difficult conversations and things that he said and who he was made me realize certain things about myself and, you know, things about privilege, things about whiteness, things about um, things that, you know, I was granted at birth that maybe I wasn't really even aware of. And, you know, I said, look, this isn't, it's, it's going to be maybe a little touchy. And, you know, I kind of told Peter some, some of the stories of conversations Therese and I had, and Peter really embraced it. He said, you know, I, I, I think that would be a good thing. I think that would be something different that would be added to this. That's important. And, you know, I, I think the way when I approached it, the one thing that the, the distance that I've now had from Therese passing away is, you know, there's, there's two ideas, one idea in particular that's been talked about a lot, and that's sort of the potential, the potential that Therese um, represented, not only within our profession and amongst football reporters, but also amongst minority journalists and black journalists in, in particular, um, the potential of what can be achieved and the strides made forward and the, and the, the example that he sets for me, it was a different P word. It was perspective. And I think in the five, you know, six months since nearly six months since, um, I thought to myself of the perspective that was lost and the perspective that I gained talking to him where, you know, we, I, I brought to the table this story about is a few weeks after, you know, George Floyd had been killed and I'd gotten to this point where I was just, I felt like flooded and overwhelmed. And I thought to myself, like, this is never going to end. Like the police involved shootings, the killings, it's never going to end. And I reached out to Therese because, you know, we had had a number of these conversations. And I just remember this halting moment where he told me in blunt terms how tired he was. And, um, you know, the, the thought in his mind that it was never going to stop. And it made me realize a how selfish it was to reach out to him in that moment. And then B it made me realize that um, it was kind of screwed up that it was a couple of weeks before I felt so flooded and helpless that I needed to talk to somebody. And now I was talking to someone who I knew in that moment had been there for a while and not just weeks, mm -hmm. months, maybe a large portion of his life. And that perspective to me, I thought, we're, we're losing that now. We're losing that. We're losing someone in the room who brings a perspective socially, um, not just collegially, but socially, that a lot of us are going to miss. And there are going to be a lot of things in our profession moving forward that we're, conversations we're going to have about the NFL that we're going to miss. And I remembered somebody had told the story about how during Terrell Owens, uh, Terrell Owens Hall of Fame candidacy, Therese stood up and talked about what it meant um, as a young black football fan to see uh, T.O. through that prism and how much that added to that Hall of Fame room. 
And that's just a small slice of what he, you know, brought to the table. And so, you know, my process was really just thinking about that and deciding, hey, I'm probably going to lay some things out there. They're going to make me look not so great, you know, because these are probably revelations you shouldn't be having in your 40s. Um, you should have had a long time ago. And um, but the truth is the, the friendship that I had with him, the relationship that I had with him and his openness about his own you know, kind of struggles with what was going on over the last year allowed me to then reflect that upon myself. And I thought it was important to sort of say, here's this other piece that we've lost. And it has a lot to do with the white people in our profession, the non-minorities in our profession who surrounded him and how you end up reflecting on yourself because this is, a, this is someone who, when you got close to him, made himself available in that way. That's beautiful, brother. And, and let me take the opportunity to say um, approach and perspective is something I've always appreciated about you um, and your curiosity um, and your not only you know what you don't know, but your self-awareness enough to realize your blind spots. Which I think, you know, um, and we certainly could have been in it right there, but we're not going to see you for a few weeks. And I've been dying to ask you about something. I've been, I've been really I really want to ask you about something. For a while, because once upon a time, uh, you were uh, the Grim Reaper, so to speak, for college programs. Like people at universities did not want to see Charles Robinson come into their campus because it meant you was about to uncover some corruption <laughs> of some kind. Yeah. I have been trying to hear from you for a while about name, image, and likeness, especially today when Terrell Pryor in the so-called Tattoo Five. Just like Reggie Bush with his Heisman, like, hey, reinstate our records right. uh, from when we got at the time improper benefits, given how things have changed. It's such a it's such a rabbit hole, it's such a uh, Pandora's box. We're trying to go back and clean up the mess that was the NCAA, and in many respects, still is. But honestly, Charles, I just wanted to get your thoughts because you because even what you talked about, Therese, just now and that perspective, you've always been able to see the perspective. Of the, from, from the athlete's perspective when it comes to the ex exploitation of a largely black workforce uh, yeah. in both professional and college sports. Uh, so I'd just love to get your overall take on Amy Mitchell like this before we let you go and just the developments of the last few weeks. So this is the first time I've talked about this. Um, I have uh, resisted weighing in on it, um, uh, you know, uh, maybe a little bit here and there over the last you know year or so, but I've really resisted weighing in on it because I don't know that people really want to hear from me, you know, because I played a part in the mechanism of covering, you know, violations, you know, things that in the grand scheme of things and particularly moving forward, we're going to look at and go, I mean, it was, it was almost absurd that we were really covering this stuff like this. Um, hmm. I can tell you that in my um, period of doing it, the longer you did it, the more you started to question like the um, often victimless nature of really a lot of the things that were going on. And then also recognizing why the economy, the sub-economy of, of quote-unquote impermissible benefits um, existed. And I think the longer you did it, the more you realized the problem with the, with the whole structure was the word impermissible. These probably should have been permissible. Like, let's be honest. And for the longest time, um, particularly toward the end of doing it, my feeling was, 
I think we tried to point the microscope at coaches or institutions um, and sort of placing themselves in the category of being high and mighty and, you know, hey, we don't, you know, we don't have anything to do with this. But the reality, they did. And they were subverting it and they were covering it up. And then when it would come out, it would often get shifted onto the athletes instead of the, the institution itself or, you know, the NCAA. So, um, you know, to me, I was really glad to see this happen. You know, I thought this was something that was coming for a long time. I think athletes have had earned this decades and decades before. It, it makes no sense to me, um, particularly given the, the work that I did and, and the things that I saw that athletes earn all of this money and value for coaches and universities and a multitude of other things that are connected to college football programs and just we're not seeing the benefits of it. And, and, and knowing this idea of, well, the, the education and the, and, and the degree and all these things, knowing what a farce really that was that was created internally in terms of realistically what was happening in inside and how we valued it from the outside, but not from, for what it really was on the inside. And, um, I, I would like to see Reggie Bush. Um, I would like to see the NCAA go, you know what? Times have changed. This has changed. Like this is, this is not the, the laws that were on the books now are not on the books now. And it's, it's something that has to change. And looking back and reflecting upon this, this happened, this guy, was bar none one of the greatest college football players in history. Um, you can't take away his, his records. You can't take away the Heisman Trophy, which obviously it, that's all on the Heisman Trust, but they've said, hey, if the NCAA reinstitutes yeah. him, he gets it back. I'm with Terrell Pryor. I think everyone, all these, all these violations that happen because of impermissible benefits, um, you have to reinstitute it. Yeah. I, don't, I just don't see how you can change the laws on the books and then look back and go, well, we're still going to act like that was wrong. Hey, man, we appreciate you, brother. Thank you for dropping knowledge as always. Uh, we're taking a break, so enjoy vacation from us. And by the time we talk to you next time, who knows? Maybe a certain quarterback is, uh, is in training camp. Yeah, well, I hit the road. Quarterback. Right, we'll talk to you later. Yeah, quarterbacks. Yeah, I hit the road yeah. for, for training camp in about a week. So hopefully we'll be able to talk about some All of the right. places up there. All right, Look Charles. forward to your dispatches, man. Thank you. Appreciation. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey, Mike. Uh, I am going to make a prediction. Uh, a dangerous prediction. Let's hear it. Um, All right. And I know it's, it's t- approximately 22 hours from now we'll be sitting here to start tomorrow's show, God willing, and the creek don't rise. We're leading tomorrow's show with Shohei Otani. Um, I mean, yeah. we could have led the show with him today, quite honestly. I mean, he didn't win the home run derby, went out in the epic first round, but it was it was entertaining nonetheless. Uh, tonight in Colorado, he is going to both start for the American League and lead off at the DH position. As we referenced yesterday, they changed the rules to allow him to continue playing 
in batting after he's done pitching. Um, we've never seen anything like this in our lifetime, if not right. beyond right. his dominance from the mound and the plate. Um, this is, he, I hate to say it's just what baseball needs because I think that's an overblown conversation about a savior of baseball or a face of baseball. But with all due respect to Mike Trout, uh, who's, who's been the, the, the best player in baseball for a long time, this is next level. This is something different. Yeah. And, you know, I am so fascinated to see what he does tonight, and I have no doubt that he'll do something that's going to have everybody talking tomorrow because he's a talk of the sport right now. He is. He's a, he's a talk of the sport. To me, he's the most fascinating athlete in North American sports. North America. He really is. And, you know, Mike, this is the first time in probably, I was going to say 10 years, but it's even longer than that. It's the first time in like 17, 18 years that I'll be paying attention closely to the All-Star game. Remember in 02, there was a tie in Bud Selig's hometown in Milwaukee, which led to the next year, this time at count, and the winner of the All-Star game gets home field advantage in the World Series. So I, I watched those, year, those years because it was something crazy and unprecedented in 03. And by the time we got to 06, 07, it was like, really? All-Star game? You're going to count that as world as as home field advantage. But this is a reason to watch. It has nothing to do with negativity, just dynamism, just unprecedented athleticism in that sport. So I'm with you. Shohei Otani could be the lead every day on this show. I'm just really amazed could. that a guy really could. and it's not this. And, and it, here's what's crazy about it. It's not just that. Oh, here's a guy who can pitch. He's a pretty good pitcher and a pretty good hitter. He's a dominant hitter. He is a homer. He's a slugger who's also like a, a dope pitcher. So, yeah, I'm with you. I can't wait. And and, and I'll be watching it. I, I'm, ser- I'm serious. A, a, appointment viewing. Uh, must see TV. Watching as it always, closely. For all the right reasons as we, as we referenced. See you tomorrow, man. All right, brother. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.